0: Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast featuring the Crop Doctors. Good morning from a balmy Stoneville, Mississippi in the Crop Doctors Podcast Studio. Tom's here. Tom, that was loud. Good morning. I wish people could hear that, that slider thing when it does that. When you pop it at the end? Yeah, when it reverbs or whatever that is. I was
1: just sitting here thinking when you said that it's a balmy Stoneville, it's just like, well, folks don't really remember or know. the the podcast studio for a period of time really didn't have air conditioner
0: it had no air conditioner. well it had air conditioning but it had to be turned on another part of the building correct so now there is an air
1: conditioning unit in the corner it tells us it's 71 degrees
0: so drew's here trent's here trent good to see you man hey drew let us down because now it's hot and it's dry
2: it was a good run while it lasted drew it was good. That's why we needed an irrigation podcast. <laughs> I mean, it could be, be my fault here because,
3: because I think the last time I talked to Drew, I was giving him grief about having an irrigation specialist
1: and it rained every week. But. Hey, when Crute started, <laughs> we really didn't need anybody to do that because it rained like crazy.
0: He broke some strings, man, because those Thursday, Friday rains,
1: you pulled it out three or four times in a row. Oh, yeah. We sat in and here. Delayed here and, the inevitable. It's impressive. Hey, let's do a podcast about water and corn. This will be perfect. And then six inches later... <laughs>
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that that one was a little over the top.
1: Poor timing.
0: And that was like within hours of
2: us doing that. It was. Doesn't look like.
1: So nobody should expect a deluge following this. At least just based on the predictive radar and rain models and everything else, it's not going to rain right after this. Hey, I've
3: been doing everything I can to make it rain, and it hadn't worked yet, but maybe this will. Got a clean truck. Maybe, yeah, Yeah. clean truck, irrigating soybeans every chance I get. Usually when I
1: irrigate, it rains, you know. I'm not allowed to do a rain dance anymore 2009. I'll chalk that up to my fault.
3: I may clean the truck again just for good measure. You clean mine. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen yours. I don't know if that's a good deal or not. <laughs>
1: Just, they definitely want to clean the inside. Trent, how's the soybean crop look?
3: We have a lot of soybeans, a lot of them. And <laughs> we have some that look really good and some that are way too far behind for this heat. Uh, it's as much all over the board, you know, as it, as it has been, I guess, in a long time. Of course, we have a lot, a lot more acres of later planted beans than, than what we have traditionally seen. A lot of wheat beans. Is it going to be a record crop acres-wise? I don't think it's going to cross the acre record. I'd have to go back and look it up, but but I think in the 70s and 80s, we actually had a few more than we were predicted to have this year. Recent record? And, and Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the last 15 or 20 years, is is definitely a record for that. We've been around that 2.2 to 2.25 million at most in most recent years, and we'll be well above 2.3 this time.
0: Trent and Drew are here we're going to talk about irrigating soybeans, Drew, before we start, how many rolls of polypipe do you think there are between here and you pick it, Clarksdale?
2: A lot. <laughs> and they're can, and, and they're round right now. Kid, you
1: be more specific. <laughs> that, that doesn't count. That, that doesn't quantify anything.
2: There is a lot. And I, I think water's flowing through a bunch of them right now.
1: Water's
0: flowing through most of them. Most of them. I have a question related to that. I
3: was talking to a farmer one time that said when he couldn't sleep at night, sometimes he just counted up how many tires he had in his shop lot. That helped him fall asleep. So do you just sit here when you, when you can't sleep and add up how many
0: miles of poly pipe? Yeah. I said it Monday. My wife and I were driving. I told her that pretty sure every well between here and Jackson was running.
2: I would say most are. And then we get a lot of those, I need a help with pipe planter plan, and I'm rolling out right now. <laughs> I need 30 minutes to go. That's right. So the ones that's not laid out, uh, they are they are running right now. Well, so I
0: mean, it's the time of year that rain that we teased Drew about always eventually stops, or most years it has eventually stopped. You mentioned the beans being kind of all over the board, growth stage wise. A lot of them in the delta, particularly here in the south, they were watering stage. I mean, they for sure that last herbicide treatment has been on for a while if they were gonna sweep middles that's been done. It was the time to start that. Now I know we definitely have some that are probably too young to water and, and are not ready to water because there's still things that need to go on before they get to that stage.
3: Being all over the board, I mean we've had beans that have been have been watered, you know, for, for several days, a couple of weeks here and uh last week I think was a was kind of a big shift of a lot of acres into that time to water stage and and then this week's kind of just following suit as the as the planting window went but uh a lot of beans full bloom a few beans setting pods but a lot of beans that are full bloom right now and 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 getting close to it
0: what do we look for when we start thinking about watering beans what are the things that we look for to to say hey it's time to roll
3: well, as a general rule of thumb, reproductive stages, vegetative stages, this might be a good example uh, for this year. You know, generally speaking, you don't you don't need irrigation to improve yield uh, during the vegetative growth stages. The exception to that rule would be like a late planted wheat bean that you just simply got to have water to make it grow, to get a stand and make it grow. But generally, we're going to look for blooms. We're going to look for that R1 growth stage. It doesn't take long to shift from R1 into R2. So R1, one bloom anywhere, R2, full blooms all the way up and down the stem. Once we get into full bloom, we know it's time to start thinking about it. Uh, I think one question that that Drew and I talk about and discuss every year that we get asked is, does that mean we have to initiate irrigation when we see blooms? And no, not necessarily. The, the, The goal is to have adequate moisture as you begin to set pods so if we are full bloom we know that it's time to look at that soil profile and get ready to charge it up so that we have adequate moisture as that crop shifts into setting pods at r3
2: initiation the questions we get from the start of initiation to turn on those well is stage you know growth stage and where we're at as far as the the stage of the crop and then making sure we have adequate moisture in there so i mean because that's when you start having some some you know yield hits because of that but at the same time, that's when it starts cranking up its water use, and so you want to be, you want to make sure there's adequate moisture down there as its water use curve goes goes up. That you're able to to be there and and you're not getting a bind when it starts really using that water. But at the same time, on that early stages is, is is when we can encourage root growth and get it down there to go find that moisture. That if you're if we're using feel like a broken record every time I come on here talking about soil moisture sensors but the ability to to see and and have assurance that there is moisture down there and you can watch those roots grow down there and 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 start finding that water and using that water it it sure is a a good feeling at least from assurance standpoint that we've got moisture down there we can hold off until we get into that those little more critical stages um, full bloom and when it starts when you you start cranking up those wells.
3: If we were to put a a controlled environment on it, and say that the textbook answer we'd have a zero tolerance for drought stress from pod set all the way to the end of pod fill. So you know we got to make sure we have enough moisture as we move into those stages, and and then maintain it. And to Drew's point, I wasn't around a whole lot of irrigation prior to you know the advancements of technology in these moisture sensors. I but you know we we started using moisture sensors several years ago now. But man, just to make that decision without
2: one. I wouldn't want to go back. It makes a, a phone call a lot easier if someone's calling asking me questions about irrigation, if, if they have sensors in there. We can, we can start looking at numbers and, and seeing and making, making real decisions with it. Other, other than that, we're, we're guessing on some things.
0: Trent, you mentioned no moisture stress during reproductive growth. What would be a visible sign of moisture stress, or is there a visible sign?
3: Yeah, just just what you would expect from vegetation in general the, the wilted look the the leaves down color will start to change some, but you can see and, and you can just know it's just a different look than what most other symptoms that we see in disease pressures or you know nutrient deficiencies it's just a different look to the leaf, just that curled
0: wilted look. Drew, based on your moisture sensors, what is adequate? Moist, because i know that's a little bit of a moving target based on environment
1: what depth are you looking for that adequate moisture
2: at for the most part we're we're looking six down to 12 uh, inches depending on the to answer your question is what we're looking for adequate moisture is it it, the the two different types of sensors and so one you're going to look at a graph that's going to be able to see and if it starts to flatten out with a syntax sensor you can you're just looking at responses of moisture in there and the other one the watermark sensors are going to be numbers and so the higher the number the the drier it is we try to have that number around 75 center bars during that you know r3 to r6 growth stage we, we drop it down just to, to make sure and that should be adequate and not let it get past that that point but you know that it depends on the sensors that you're using so there's a lot of training and questions going on on using those sensors and how to assess that. I mean, that's the hardest part of soil moisture sensors is is getting them, but how to use that and and determine what's adequate moisture in that. But for the most part on the depth, 12 inches, but we have this big gap. You know, we we don't put sensor at every single inch going down. So we're taking, making some guesses through there. But Trent, I don't know if you have a, if you're looking at anything different with the moisture sensors. I'm seeing roots down to 24 inches on, on a lot of the earlier planted beans and utilizing that moisture down there. So that's what's what we're trying to do on the earlier part is trying to encourage those group, roots to get down there when you're when they're not in any any pressure for stress from yield stress and getting it down to 24. But usually that 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 down to 24 inches is we're we're seeing quite a bit of, of water use.
3: Speaking in experience from years past, it seems like those fields that we routinely see water use down to 24 inches does not typically have those late season issues that you get when you have you know shallow root systems basically so so we know we're confident in letting those things dig and and get a little little depth so that we can kind of avoid some of those other issues that come late in the season. We definitely want to be able to take advantage of our full soil profile if we can.
2: Yeah, that's a lot of conversations you and I have is making some of those earlier irrigation decisions and we look at the moisture sensors and they're not really pushing it. They're not getting too dry yet, but we're not, at, we're not using moisture down at 24. And so that's the decisions we try to make is if we're not feeling like we're stressing, let's, let's, let's let those roots keep digging. I feel a lot more comfortable if we can see action, water use down at 24 inches before we start the irrigation.
0: Does that vary based on soil texture?
2: It does. That's a big variation between soil uh, texture. And then you have, sometimes you have a hard pan, that you may just not have roots get through, or, or you have irrigation issues. You're not able to infiltrate past a, a certain level because you know whether we get a heavy rainfall may break through, and so you're keeping all that in mind too. If if you can't recharge past 24 inches, then you need to you need to make sure your irrigation decisions are uh, maybe more frequent because we can't we have a hard pan or or it silts over on top of the soil surface and it's hard to get water down into the profile, um, but. So it's not just monitoring the roots and the, and the stress on the crop, but it's, it's understanding how effective a rainfall may be or an irrigation or, or ineffective a rainfall irrigation might be.
1: So it sounds like even though we're attempting to move soybean farmers to using these moisture sensors, there is a little bit of an art with reading that and determining what the plant's also telling you maybe before you
2: initiate irrigation. Yeah, I wouldn't advise anybody just to look at the sensors and not incorporate anything else into the decision on irrigation besides just soil moisture sensor readings only. I mean, there's a lot going on. And so, you know, timing is, is another big part of that. And growth stage, obviously, what we just talked about. But one thing, too, is is understanding if it takes six days to irrigate around on a certain well, we need to be six days ahead of, of where we're going to be on that stress or that trigger standpoint. Right now when there's not a rain chance in the forecast is is a different mentality for me when we have a pretty good rain chance coming up in three days. Those are different decisions. Well we might be able to push it for a couple of three days because we can look at the moisture down in there and we're not going to hurt anything. Let's see if we get a rainfall. If there's nothing it's hot and dry and, and, and you know maybe you go a couple days earlier than you might need to just to start things moving. Those are all the decisions that that we talk about and not even talking about all the farming operations that are going on of because so-and-so needs to be here or there, and so we just need to get going. But, um, yes, I, all all the above on, on using moisture sensors. And not just uh, tr- building trust in moisture sensors is where I spend most of the, the extension type of work with moisture sensors. So I don't mean to say don't trust them, but do trust them, but don't just blindly look at the numbers because there's a lot of aspects going on on an operation.
0: I feel like a lot of the water that's going now is what you're describing, Drew. We're just trying to get ahead. I mean, we're recording this several days before we're gonna release it. And there's no rain really in sight. But we've had a few pop ups late last week and in, in a couple of significant rains in places if you were happen to be the the one that the cloud came over the top of. So I, I feel like there's a lot of that anticipating what's gonna happen next week going on right now lot of it is just getting going, and you know, making sure everything's set up right, and then getting ahead on
2: those sets. You know, I may just be defending my job when y'all give me a hard time about it raining all the time, and why do we need an irrigation specialist? My,
1: <laughs> oh, you're catching my you
2: my, my, uh, my my defense on all that is that I stay, you know, I re- rehearse and try to under- defend defend my position. It's easier to irrigate or manage irrigation when it's just hot and dry. I mean, there's not a whole lot of decisions once you get going. Right, um, my colleagues out west is most of the water they're going to put on there is what they put on themselves. Some of the decisions and the and the advantages that we have having these occasional pop up water showers is, and I think that's partly why we have higher use and, and soil moisture sensors, is because you can take advantage of those pop up showers whenever we if you if you hold it off for a couple more days because you know you're you're fine and then you catch that free irrigation. Um, and then you start everything over, that—that's where it's really in the middle of the season. That's where the management starts. So, my defense is it's—it's it's harder to irrigate when you have these occasional, not harder, but more more uh, opportunity for management. Yeah, you're not irrigation. you're
0: not on a just a straight right. weekly schedule or biweekly, whatever it ends up being. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. No, I think that's a valid defense. I got your back. I agree <laughs> with you, man. I think that's a valid defense.
1: All right, Trent. The one thing that keeps popping into my head is when you say that the plant appears stressed or appears to maybe mimic drought stress, what type of mechanism is that plant putting out to respond to some environmental situation?
3: So that's a, I mean, that's a defense mechanism of the plant. And I think, you know, for me, corn is the best example of what you see, because we often see corn appear to be quote, unquote, drought stressed when there's obviously it's just a little bit hot outside. You know, we've had rain, and and I think if we took a sensor and measured the the available soil moisture, we would all agree that that it was not drought stress. It would be a defense mechanism to the onset of the heat, you know, maybe the temperature or whatever that's causing this. So in, in the case of soybeans, I think to a certain degree it's the same way, it will evolve into drought stress should we not provide water. But the first stages of what you see is just the plant protecting itself uh, as these environmental conditions are changing. It's uh,
1: compensating for a lack of something and in some cases it closes down, it stomates and right. doesn't it doesn't transpire properly typically based on air temperature that's right it's not a sole moisture deficit situation it's something else that the plant's responding to which i think that in most cases draws or creates a situation of alarm because everybody says the plant's drought stressed. it has not reached drought stress at that point correct that takes a while for that to develop now and that's a gray area that, that you get into because I don't know enough to even speak competently about when you should really say that's what's happening unless you had a sensor that would tell you there is no moisture available in the profile.
3: I mean, that just goes back to the to the moisture sensor thing. I mean, you just said it, but I can't praise the tool enough. I mean, that is just an, an invaluable tool to be able to make an informed decision about what's going on uh, in the crop. I mean, obviously temperature and all that plays an equally important factor into our overall yield potential i mean this insane heat is not going to do any favors for uh improving our yield potential i mean we, we we've seen it every time we've had record yields we've had a more mild summer particularly nighttime temperatures allow things to cool off and allow that plant to to regenerate and do what it needs to do in its life cycle but this sustained heat coupled with moisture is a a double whammy, I guess you put it, uh, to what it can do to the...
1: Well, and if you add wind in, you're sure. drying the plant down with that wind as well. Sure. And then its response to all of those variables differs. Mm-hmm. Field to field because of soil classification and then available moisture and everything else factors into all of that. And that makes that even a more complex equation then to determine, should I water or should I not water?
3: Yeah, it does. And I think the pressure... Is put on us and our growers as well because the one thing out of that equation that we can control is the irrigation, the water. You know, we can't control the temperature or the wind or any other environmental factor, but adding the water is a an insane
0: benefit to, to what we can do to control some of all that. Drew, considering soil texture, when we have the you know silt loam soil, sandier soil that tends to seal over real bad in the second third fourth irrigation events do you interpret your soil moisture sensor data differently because the penetration is right. not as good
2: yes and, and so first off it just helps you evaluate what's actually going on if, if you're if you're irrigating and it shoots across and you're at the tail ditch uh, a lot earlier than you expect or you know you tail ditch you turn off the you turn off the well because you think you're done but you you barely broke, broke in any infiltration. You know, we tried to apply it on a, a run time, maybe 24 hours, and then, you know, it got out at 12 hours. You only applied half of what you see. So if you're shooting for three inches, you only applied one and a half inches on there. So you have less water that you're putting it on that's shooting across the field. So you're not getting into the ground and just because it's this, the texture that's sealed up there. So the first off, that's just more assessing what's going on. Are we getting infiltration? And if we're, can we get it down to six inches? So we typically put our watermark sensors at six and 12. And so sometimes we may have a hard time getting it down to 12, or maybe we have a hard time getting down to 24. And so if we know that we can't get it down to 24 inches because of, infiltration issues but we can get it down to six and at least we're showing infiltration down to 12 inches i visualize that more as a bank so that 24 inches is down there once that crop uses that water down at that depth and we know we can't infiltrate down at that that depth so once it uses that up unless we get a a nice rainfall that that can break the break it down and get down in there that that's going to be gone it's the only thing we can control from an irrigation infiltration standpoint in this scenario is maybe six to twelve and so then I u- only use those soil moisture sensors to determine when I irrigate. And, and a lot of times, because they'll dry out a little bit quicker, and so we will have a more frequent, usually that, that'll turn into a more frequent irrigation because that that's the section that we're, we're irrigating and we're, and we're recharging. And so you t- try to ignore the, the deeper depths if we can't get down there.
1: If you consider critical water demand and the important growth stages, using moisture sensors, how can that offer soybean producers economic savings based on reducing the number of irrigation events
2: what i see through several different programs the the we have extension with the extension agents doing soil moisture sensor demos so they'll work with growers and put soil moisture sensors out and some of the on-farm uh, research that we're doing that where we have compared sites and so i'm i'm averaging out a you know a lot of different situations going on but a lot of the times what we'll see if somebody's irrigating without them and and through a routine or a calendar schedule i routinely see two irrigations at least where we can cut out by using soil moisture a lot of the front end by holding off on the initiation by by on the back end on termination and knowing when we could cut off and we have adequate moisture till till when we need it and then what we talked about in between is is pushing off two to three days may catch you that rainfall and so that you know I'm summarizing what I see through a season by using but those are the three main areas that were in between one one of those three areas i I'll, I'll see quite a bit uh, at least a couple of irrigations that we can save especially this past few years where we've had decent I mean this may be a different year uh, if it's hot and dry most mm-hmm. of the season but the last few years when it's when you get those rainfalls is you can make up Uh, irrigations. That's where you have diesel, especially now with prices, but you have pump runtime savings and and labor savings as well. I don't think we can
3: promote the use of the tool enough. When you look back at historical uh, irrigation scheduling without the use of a sensor, just look at the blooming period. If we saw a bloom, we were ready to start irrigating, right? Uh, So we can for sure save one there by the time we You know, most years we're going to have adequate moisture as we shift into bloom to not do it the first day we see a bloom. And then on the back end of things, uh, years ago it wasn't uncommon to see polypipes still full when leaves were turning color, right, on soybean. And and now we know that we just got to get it all the way through pod fill, which is still a green crop, and, and ID that growth stage and terminate. So that
1: should save, like Drew said, at least one on the back end, if not two in some cases. Well, and that definitely is going to vary by year because the bulk of those data would be from years where where we know we had ample or more than ample rainfall. Nobody knows what the rest of the season is going to to factor in there. So that's certainly, and that doesn't, I think that does a good job of promoting the technology and talking about the potential economic savings that can be out there if somebody properly uses the tool that's available.
2: Oh yeah, most of the time if you cut off a, irrigation, you you paid for those sensors uh, first year.
1: Thank you both. Trent, great to see you, man. Thanks. Drew,
2: keep up the good work. Thank you. Always a joy. Call me anytime. Absolutely.
1: And our regular listeners, thank you. This is something we'll continue to bring to you and and definitely hope that this information is important and meaningful. Keep up the great comments. And as always, if you need us for one-on-one consultation, please don't be shy. Pick up the phone. Track us down. We're pretty easy to get a hold of.